You're listening to Honest Participants Only, a Dream Days Experience podcast. On today's episode, I'm speaking with John Kenny. He's a transformational relationship coach, founder of Interpersonal Relationship Coaching, author of The People Programme, and a public speaker. Hello, John. Hello. How are you, Shay? I'm really well, thank you. I'm so glad to have you on the episode today. I'm so super pleased to be here. Thanks for having me on. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit, and this isn't about what you do, this isn't about, this is about you. Can you tell me a little bit about you and your character as a person? Uh, yes. Okay. That's, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. That's a great <laughs> question. Um, so who am I? I am free, I would say. Um, I am myself, and I haven't been myself for most of my life. So I would describe myself as being as much as of myself as I possibly can be. I love this answer. I just had to say that. I love this answer. Um. Yeah, so I'm as authentic a person as I can be in every situation that I, that I go into. I've left behind all of those questions I would ask myself about who I need to be in certain situations. Um, so obviously I need to be different with friends, family, uh, work, whatever it might be, but I try to be my authentic self as much as I possibly can so that I know that I feel real within myself and, and congruent with, with who I am and what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. And even though I was asking you something that was completely outside of the interview, I'm going to be asking you about how you achieve that later in the interview because many of my listeners are going to want to know how to get to that level of kind of self-confidence and you know, having that esteem to be able to just go, you know what, I'm good with who I am. Mm. So what are the first three things you would say people notice about you? That's a good, another really good question. <laughs> um, I think uh, a lot of people seem to think they recognise me from somewhere. You do of... have a famous face. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I actually got stalked while I was in Cuba um, by a couple of ladies. They were following me and my the, my partner at the time um, when I was in Havana, and they thought I was someone from Holby City. No. <laughs> they were convinced so much they asked me for my autograph, and then when I told them it wasn't me, they went, "Oh, so you don't want to be recognised? That's fine." <laughs> Yeah, it's, oh, it's, brilliant. it's not me I'm not him but <laughs> said, look yes just leave us alone we're on our holiday but uh, so that was very interesting but I have a lot of people come up to me and say I know you from somewhere don't I and I said you might I just think I've got one of those faces yeah you do I mean I did quip to you before we started that you could do an 11am show on the BBC like you literally have such a wholesome recognizable face yeah. Well, if uh, if you know anybody or if anyone out there can help me get onto an 11 a.m. slot on the There you go, listeners. You've got a job. <laughs> I'll, I'll be more than willing to take up that opportunity. Um, Excellent. Actually, some lady yesterday when I was in my office, uh, I passed her on the stairs and I just waited to the side and smiled at her as she went past. And she went, you've got such a cheeky smile. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I guess that's something else that maybe people notice about me. Clearly. Mm. Uh, yeah, you've, you've clearly got away with the ladies. That's what this <laughs> sounds like to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did tell her that I used to be a bit, a bit of a, a ladies' man before I got married, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> that had a lot to do with this unwhole, unwholesome relationship I had with myself rather than the fact that I was a, a too much of a, a flirt or a playboy or whatever. Oh, okay. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about who you were before and how you came to be whole. Okay. Uh, so before I was massively insecure and very uh, lacking in uh, self-confidence, uh, always doubting myself because I learned that when I was growing up that I wasn't uh, valued very much. Mm. And as I grew up, I kind of reiterated that by getting myself into difficult relationships where I didn't ever feel valued and always wanted to be everybody's friend um, and would put on a mask every time I met people just to see who they wanted me or needed me to be. Mm -hmm. And ended up basically disliking myself an awful lot um, because of that and would chastise myself because I was always trying to play this role and, and never felt comfortable with who I was. And then it took me until sort of it was in my mid-30s before I went in to have some kind of therapy. Um, and I had some counselling therapy because there were things going on in my life at the time that I couldn't really cope with how I was feeling. And learned how my background had influenced my emotions. Right. A few years after that, I'd already, I trained as a counsellor myself and I was seeing my clients and then I went to a, I think it was a networking meeting and I met a coach and she was just offering this free, free freebie session. She said, come along. She said, we'll have a chat and just to see if there's anything I can help you with. And having some sessions with her made me realise that no matter, even though I knew how I felt about stuff, I understood my past and how I felt, I hadn't actually done anything to change my life. Right. And I'm still telling myself the same story all over again, that I wasn't really worth very much, I was never going to amount to anything. And um, so... And even though you had been to counselling, you had accepted that you weren't worth very much? I had accepted the story... But I was still living the story. Yeah. I hadn't done anything to change the story. I still had all those concepts about myself and beliefs about myself that I'd always had that I developed as a kid. Mm. And then she kind of said, well, tell yourself a different story. Challenge these beliefs. Do something else. And she led me on the path to turning my life around, really. And I trained as a coach. And since then, I've been constantly working on myself and helping my clients to kind of do the same type of work that I, that I actually till this day I still constantly have to reinforce all the positives with myself mm. because those negatives are were very well entrenched within my subconscious so I still have moments where I need to give myself a, a bit of a talking to and a, a bit of a coaching session of course. In order to maintain the, the self that I want to be. Do you know, that's so interesting, though, because 
first of all, there were a couple of things you said that were really interesting. One of them was the fact that you continually work on yourself. And I think people generally, and this is a generalisation, so forgive me listeners, but I think people generally expect to go to therapy and be fixed. And it's not. It's this, it's this journey of continuous you know, development and understanding and self-reflection definitely. and adaptation, right? Yeah, definitely. It's if your if your if your things, the things that you carry with you, are, are, are deeply uh, hidden, or you've been doing them for a long time, they can be quite difficult to shake. I mean, I've been in personal development now for like fifteen years, mm. and I still have those moments it was just a few weeks ago actually i woke up in the morning and i thought oh what's the point of all of this this is just a waste of time blah 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 blah. all that self negative belief stuff came out and it took me about three or four hours to actually realize what i was doing yeah. um and i know oh, what are you doing that for just stop stop this you've got new ways of doing things think about those instead let's do this start those positive affirmations again uh, g yourself up and i really had to give myself and like i said a just now a bit of a really good talking to um just to remind myself how i want to be rather than who i've always been i'd like to ask you about that because you mentioned that she said to you well tell yourself a different story you also mentioned that you know you can give yourself a talking to pull your socks up let's do it mm-hmm. and that to me sounds and actually I've I've been on a similar journey and you know for myself so I do understand mm. it but for my listeners that for me sounds so easy and so kind <laughs> of like you know okay well that's that's easy yeah. enough and yeah. if it was that easy surely we could all just do it and we wouldn't be so dark how yeah. do you actually get to the point where you're not just saying it and you're living it I think that the thing, the important thing for me and the thing that I work with my clients is to do understand your story. Once I understood what my story was and what my beliefs were and actually what I was telling myself on a day-to-day basis, what my focus was really, um, what I was allowing for myself and what I wasn't allowing for myself, I was really able to kind of say, okay, well, if this is what you do, this is why you do it, what are you going to do instead? And then it was figuring out how to kind of turn that around. So to be more positive about myself, to stop um, calling myself uh, negative things. So if I would do something wrong, I would call myself an idiot or stupid, generally with an expletive in front of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was it was very damaging the way I used to talk to myself. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, well, I would have allowed it previously, but it's not the kind of thing I would allow anybody else to talk to me like that. Right. But I was constantly talking to myself in that way and my focus was always on negative things um so I was always finding negative things because I was always looking for negative things mm-hmm. um, one of the things I say with my clients and I used the s word but I would use something a little bit less but if you're looking for poo you find poo right <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the park you're looking for poo you find poo you see poo everywhere if you go looking for flowers you see the flowers yeah um so my focus was completely in the, on the wrong thing so i kept finding the things that i actually didn't want because i was looking for them all of the time i was expecting them i was one of those people that said um well if you expect the worst then anything better than that is better than the worst but right because i was always looking for the worst and expecting the worst i never got anything really good so you thought you were a realist, but you were actually a pessimist. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, so it was actually being able to say, okay, I don't do this anymore. I know why I do it. I'm just basically convincing my brain that I do things in a different way and I don't believe those things anymore and putting new things into place which said, said now you believe this, this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to live your life, this is what you want. Um, and I think what you want is a massively important thing. Um, most of my clients that I speak to, I say, well, what do you want? I, go, I don't know. I've never really thought about it before because generally they're thinking about what everybody else wants. Do you know what? This makes me laugh because one of my, um, as part of this interview, one of my sections is a quick fire section. And in that section, one of my questions is, what do you want? Okay. And it's always really <laughs> difficult because people are like, what do you mean? In what context? Be like, you know, please give me context for it. And yeah. I like to answer such a broad question, but you have in your life asked yourself that question already and you've come up with, a conclusion and I know it doesn't mean it's definitive and it doesn't mean mm. it won't change no I love that I love that you touched on that and we were nowhere near that oh great yeah and you're right well you're that response that you get is the same response I get from my clients they, they can generally reel off a list of what they don't want yes but they really find it hard to say well what do I want um and again if you're looking for what you don't want you're always going to find it because mm. your brain will only focus on the words that you use if I don't want to be if I don't want anxiety, if I don't want to be depressed, if I don't want to be poor, if I don't want a bad relationship, generally your brain misses out the I don't want bit and just focuses on the words that you're saying. It says, well, okay, well, if you don't want a bad relationship, I'll keep an eye out for these bad relationships and, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you when there is, there's one there. Right. Uh, and then you can try and avoid it. But generally what we do at that point is because we've learned to have negative relationships, our brain says, yeah, but you know that, you've done it before. So now I've found you this negative relationship. Why don't you give it a go? Yeah, yeah. Or you can change it this time. It will be different. Yeah, yeah. This, but we get carried away on those familiar feelings. Yeah. And um, our brain becomes comfortable and, and chooses what it knows rather than what's good for us sometimes. And, and we'll just keep doing the same things over and over again and you get the same result. Yeah. Speaking of familiar feelings... Um, one of the things I like to, when I speak to people, and I like to challenge them on the kind of, you know, that, that stage at which you overcome a barrier or a hurdle. Mm -hmm. You said that you went into therapy at a certain point. Now, you've been doing your whole life one way. Mm -hmm. And as a male in society, first of all, you aren't necessarily the generalization is that men don't necessarily speak about what they, they're going through therapy isn't for the strong it's for the weak you know mm. that kind of thing yeah did you have those barriers to overcome when you decided that you were going to do this no i didn't personally i've i've always been a, a bit of an emotional person anyway Okay, I love that. I've never really shied away from how I feel, but I think before I was more in a kind of a victim set of emotions. So I was quite happy to do my emotions, but I was actually looking for people to feel a bit sorry for me. Right. Um, rather than it being a healthy um, way of expressing myself. So I that's such a huge, such a huge admission that I was looking for people to feel sorry for me. That's powerful. Yeah, because that's what I never had as a kid. I never had that attention. I never had that love, and I didn't feel loved as a child. So to get anything 
was a was a bonus and i found out i found a way of getting people to show me some kind of pity really and but that fed something inside of me which i'd never experienced so i could play the victim and get people to feel sorry for me and then i felt accepted or that they actually cared um although it was on a quite negative and and, and maladaptive level yeah so what about your circle around this time so around the time of your transformations around the time Mm. you started therapy around the time you started with the coach were did your circle understand it or you know what was happening in your circle at that point um to be honest with you i'd kind of backed away from most people at that point um i'd kind of left the country actually I actually went to new zealand to basically run away from everything um and i was there for a few months and i wasn't intending to come back but there's a whole another story to this about a relationship that was massively toxic and anyway i ended up coming back and i'd moved so i'd sold my flat and everything and I had nothing really when I came back and didn't really keep in touch with any of my friends when I got back. And basically I started again, but still did the same thing. Right. <laughs> um, so I didn't really have that many people around me at the time. I've always been uh, what you would probably call avoidant as far as connection is concerned. So because again, what I learned as a child, that relationships are unreliable and they cause you a lot of pain. I've never been able to really connect to people at a deeper level because as soon as it became anything meaningful, I would back away. Right. And unless they were toxic relationships, and then I would chase them all the time and to get them to care about me. And then after a while, I realized that they couldn't care about me because they had their own issues that mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't address. Uh, so then the relationship would come to an end and I'd say, I'm never doing this again and then enter another relationship. But it was a way of, another way of me avoiding deep connection. I knew that relationship was never going to go anywhere. So therefore I didn't have to put any kind of commitment into it emotionally. Right. Um, so it always kept me safe. It always kept me from that space that I'd learned was my best place to go, which was to be by myself. Right. Uh, so before, before you, you, you kind of were in this place, you ran away and then you mm. came back. What was the trigger or was there a trigger for this transformation? Were you at like, you know, rock bottom? What was it that helped you to go, I can't do this anymore? When I went into counselling, i just just broken up from, or was on the verge of breaking up from, uh, the the toxic relationship I actually came back from New Zealand to to be in Mm -hmm. and was a proper emotional wreck at the time. Um, And I'd learned a little bit about counselling when I, this is a whole big story behind this, but basically I I went to university. Well, we'll have to have you back on another time. (laughs) uh, I went to university, did a basic counselling skills course and really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, counselling could be quite interesting. So I looked into counselling and I spoke to one of the tutors and she said, you know, the way you're talking, she said, I reckon that therapy would be quite good for you right now. Um, So it was something that I thought, you know what, if I'm going to look at doing this, it's probably a good idea to go and talk to someone. And I was a mess. And I'd never really spoken to anybody about 
or never spoken to anybody apart from, like I said earlier, about being a victim. I'd never really spoken to anybody that could actually try and help me. Mm. It was always speaking to someone to get sympathy. So this was a completely new experience for me to actually go in and speak to someone that could actually help me out. Um, and I spent the first few, I was in therapy for two years and spent the first few months in tears um, right. trying to kind of piece things together uh, and help just actually get a lot of the stuff out that I'd never spoken about really before at that kind of level. Yeah. Um, and that's what helped me to kind of become a little bit more emotionally stable yeah. Um, and to stop maybe playing the games that I was playing, but actually it didn't really make that much difference because I would just fall straight back into the same thing, regardless of how I knew I would feel. I would still, I still wasn't aware, completely self-aware of what I was doing. I knew how I felt, but I, I didn't know what I was doing and why I was doing it. And it was only when I went into the coaching that that kind of all made sense. Right. That, that's again another powerful thing so before you became a coach yourself because we're mm. going to start to get onto what you do why you do it and how what was the dream what were you doing career-wise life-wise what was the dream do you know what I've never had a dream wow um as a kid I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, I was an athlete I used to run for Great Britain so when I was about full 15 16 I started to run and um that kind of took off so from there at that point I thought I wanted to be a full-time athlete but again that was part of my self-sabotage so I never actually allowed myself to be as good as I could have been and then after that I didn't have a clue so I ended up um doing a, working in insurance uh and then I went off to university to train to be a teacher because I thought that'd be a good thing to do. And then I really didn't like that. So I didn't know what to do then. And then I joined the fire brigade. So <laughs> I became a firefighter, which I did for 12 years. Um, wow. And during that time, yeah, kind of that, that was, and then I realized I actually didn't want to be a firefighter. Then I thought, you know, what about this counseling thing? Because I got quite interested in psychology. And I thought this could be quite a good thing to try. Um, but still didn't really know what I wanted to do until until I really found myself, I would suggest. Um, and as a coach now, um, I, I have some, I'm just really, really lucky that I found something that I actually love. Uh, it's my passion to just to help people. Yeah. I've always helped people. I've always I was been. just coming yeah. to that. I was going yeah. to say that actually you say there was no dream, but with teaching, firefighting, like coaching, mm. all of those things are in service of, you know. Yeah, before that I was in retail. Self. You know, I was in retail. Right, okay. <laughs> and you're still in service, but in yeah. a different title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was always there for, for someone to serve somebody else. Yeah. Uh, even when I was in insurance, it was selling insurance and it was in stuff like that. So it was always in a sort of a service space. Uh, right. But this is the service space that actually, you know, fulfills me as a person. Which leads me on to the next question, actually, which is, I mean, you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I had a script. <laughs> yeah, almost. He really doesn't, everybody. <laughs> We really don't. <laughs> so what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning and, and did that change? Um, 
what motivates me to get out of bed? Do you know, I just like getting up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, my day is good, mostly. I mean, obviously, I, like everybody else, I have my ups and downs, but I, I love what I do. I don't work for a living. I have really great conversations with people, and I help them to change their lives. I don't think there's anything more fulfilling than doing that. Um, that's that's Steve Jobs' quote, isn't it? I, I think it's Steve Jobs. People attribute right. it to him. But, you know, um, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Yes, yes, I've heard that, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I think it is. It's, it's become my passion. And I just love sitting, having these conversations with people and just f- helping them to figure out where they come from, who they are, what they want and helping them to put that into place. That, that's amazing. It's and I love it. I'm getting up for. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad there are people like you out there who love doing it because I had therapy a few different times in my life and it was it wasn't until the final time which actually wasn't therapy for emotional issues that the last time the time it actually helped was because I had been diagnosed with cancer and so sometimes they send you off to go and have Mm. therapy for that and we didn't deal with any cancer stuff we ended up dealing with my other stuff which I'd been Mm. trying to have therapy for for years but I remember even one therapist was she was sat with uh, her phone underneath the cushion and every few minutes she'd check her phone. And I'm talking to you, yeah, and I'm crying and I'm there. And she's just like looking at her phone and then she'd look up and slide it back under the cushion. Wow, that's awful. Yeah, all of these mad experiences. But it's something you have to keep going at, isn't it? For sure. I, I I had a conversation with a client yesterday and he was having relationship problems. And they'd ended up splitting up. And he said, I went to see this counsellor. He said, this is why I wasn't really sure what to expect with you as a a coach, because you do relationships. I said, okay. I went to see this relationship counsellor before. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, he said to me, do I want to, I want her back? And I said, yeah, of course I want her back. He said, okay, this is how you get her back. And he gave me all these manipulation techniques on how to persuade this woman to come back to me. He said, and then I realised it was so wrong that, I he was basically not counselling me on relationships. He didn't help me to understand myself or what was really playing out. He just said, if you want to back, you need to talk to her like this, you need to act like this, you need to use this manipulation technique, blah, 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 blah. And I thought this is a professional wow. person telling him that this is how you manipulate people. <laughs> they can't love what they do. They can't. They, wow. they must just love the rush of being able to control people there's no way that you're you love what you do and that's what you deliver to people and to me that sounds also quite narcissistic too yeah you know i would dread to think how that person actually behaves within their own relationships yeah but having that kind of idea well what you need to do to get someone to do what you want is manipulate them yeah you need to know because to get to that level of confidence that you Mm. can succeed and you're actually giving that advice to other people Mm. means that you're an expert now Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's terrible and and that example you just i've never heard of that before yes where they look at their phone i mean i apologize if i leave my phone on vibrate do you know what i mean and because the thing about sorry i forgot to turn it off No, the thing about therapy and the thing about coaching, counselling, all of it, is that you are skilled at, in one session, opening somebody up, and then before they leave, 
closing them back together so that they can stay together until the mm. next time they come to see you, mm. right? Yeah. That is one of the most important things that you train as, regardless of what type of therapy you do, that's really important because life has to go on. I have mm. to be able to go back to my job or mm. to the kids or to do whatever. And if you've got me for two years and for that whole two years I can't mm. function, I'm not doing my job. No, but at right. the time I was so weak. I was so, and I, I mean weak, I, you know, I'm not putting myself down. I, I mean, I literally had no, nothing within me to be able to say, this isn't okay. Let me mm. challenge it. Or at least if, cause I never went back, but at least if I'm not going to go back, mm. let me put a stop to this for the next person. I didn't report it. I didn't speak to the agency. There was nothing because that's how broken I was. Yeah. And those are the people who end up, being manipulated or being, you know, treated badly because yeah, no, you could have gone vulnerable. back there every week, couldn't you? You could have gone back there yeah. every week, and they could have completely dismissed your what you were talking about, which sounds Absolutely. like exactly what they were doing was just saying, "My life is more important than yours. I've got things going on, and yes. I will just check my phone whenever I feel like it." And you can just sit there being all fragile and weak, and I'll basically <laughs> ignore everything you're yeah. saying. And then at the end of the hour. You're done. (laughs) Pay me the money and away you go. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely crazy. So you, I want to now get onto what you do for people because Mm. that, that really took us to a really good place because we're speaking about what not to do for people. Mm. What what is it exactly that you offer? So I have developed my own approach to coaching because of my background in counselling. Then I trained as a coach. Then I trained in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And then I trained as a hypnotherapist. So I fuse all of those approaches together to offer my clients whatever they need in order to kind of move their life forwards. So I have the, uh, I use the counseling to help them to understand their story, themselves, their emotions to sort of delve a little bit into how they might be feeling and why they're feeling that way and managing that part with them. Uh, That's another thing I get with people that come to see me. I went to see a coach and they asked me about this and they asked me about that. And then when I told them about it, they went, oh, no, don't deal with that. (laughs) Find someone else. (laughs) Um, So they were opening them up, like you said, just now leaving them open and emotional and then saying, oh, no, I don't deal with that kind of stuff. We need to go and find someone else. And so I use my counseling skills to kind of hold people in the sessions. And then the coaching is to help people to put things in place to be able to move forward. The hypnotherapy I use sparingly because I always find that if you can do something consciously, it's more powerful than if you do it subconsciously. If I put the ideas in there, then they will stick with some people. But I feel if you're empowered to know that you're the one making the changes, it's a lot more a lot more uh, dynamic and a lot more uh, empowering for the person to be able to trust themselves to move things forward. But I do use it if there are any subconscious blocks, so things that might happen in the past childhood experiences that we can't quite get to, um, then we can use something called called hypnoanalysis. So it's taking people back into their childhood to kind of try and understand the events and why they feel the way they do about those events. So the impacts mm-hmm. they've had. And neuro-linguistic programming is um, basically the way that we talk to each other. Uh, 
sorry, the way that we talk to ourselves and the, the words that we use and how we're programmed in a certain way, which is what I was talking about earlier on and changing that conversation you have with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I like your, your way of coaching because it sounds like you do emotional practical which is always Mm. important i think Mm. sometimes people forget there's a practical element to it um and it also sounds like you deal with the in-betweens as well yeah so that's another reason why i do coaching is because i offer people contact between sessions as well right Uh, because the counseling is very boundaried as far as you have a session on on a wednesday and then you don't meet until the wednesday yes so i was finding that sometimes that was net that wasn't enough for people or they'd go away on a Wednesday and then something would happen on a Thursday and then you'd have to wait until the Wednesday to talk about it. And the moment had already passed. The things that we talked about in the previous session have kind of got forgotten about. So with the coaching, I do offer people uh, email contact if anything comes up in the sessions and if they actually want to pay me a bit more money and come for the top package that I offer, then they can actually call me and we can have like a 15, 20-minute conversation as things come up. Um, which I find really useful. Totally. And I think it's a safety net, isn't it? I, if I was using your, your, um, what you offer, your services, then actually knowing that I can do that would be huge for me. Mm. I think it would have been for me as well. I think because, you know, you, you go, you, you have a session, everything, you know, it could be a great session. You're like all emo motivated and everything's, yeah, let's go. And then you go back into your home environment where nobody's supporting you, where the same problems exist and you're just like, yeah. well, what do I do with this? Um, whereas with the coaching kind of things, we can just at least have a conversation about, okay, what do you want to do? What do you need to do? How do you feel about this? You know, what's actually happened? Let's keep our, our focus on the things that we've discussed uh, and and rather than just let it all go for a week and come back and you're back to square one a lot of the time. I really want people to understand that you, you when you speak about interpersonal relationship coaching, you mm. are talking about all relationships. You're talking about relationships romantically. You're talking about personal relationships at home. You're talking about career, your relationship mm. with yourself. Mm-hmm. relationships covers so much and I, I guess when people hear relationship they go oh I don't need that one I'm fine with my partner yeah but, so yeah. yes that's the first question I generally ask when I do my speaking uh, gigs is I say who, who here is in a relationship and then some people will put their hand up and I'll say mm-hmm. okay now everybody in the room put your hand up right and they're like why and I'll say okay because <laughs> whenever I say relationship you're just thinking of your partner yeah. What about your kids? What about your parents? What about at work? What about your friends? What about what about with food? <laughs> what, yeah. What about yourself? Um, yeah. What about your animals? You know, what about yeah. all these relationships that you have on a day-to-day basis that you really don't take into consideration? Uh, so, it's, yeah, you're right. It's vitally important that we look at every relationship because we, do, we can really see the patterns. If we look at um, – Every relationship that you have, we can really spot how you behave in certain circumstances. So I've got a person at the moment, they are they are really struggle with personal relationships, but at work they are dynamic and got a great career and they've gone up the promotional ladder. And you can really sort of say, okay, so what do you use there? 
Mm-hmm. Why do you, why are you confident there? Why are you able to push yourself and get the results that you want there, but you're not able to do it here? And it's really interesting to kind of see the differences and we can take all those good things from certain aspects of relationships that they use and put them into others and we can understand why the negatives are playing out and why they feel differently in certain circumstances and it's it's great to kind of encompass the whole thing. Again, it's important, I feel, for me to point out what you just said and the power of it the fact that you're help you're asking questions you're posing questions and you're helping supporting them to find the answers as opposed to the manipulator therapist <laughs> had all the yes. answers <laughs> yeah definitely you, if you want it this to happen you need to do this go and do this yeah, yeah. wow it sounds like that movie what women want Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, so I on your website it says that you're a specialist transformational coach. Why mm. what is your speciality and why choose that? Um I, I specialize in relationships because I understand them. Uh my supervisor in, in my counseling and uh, has always said to me, You're really good at this relational stuff. And it, I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work on myself as well, as far as relationships are concerned. And I think that I came to the conclusion myself through everything that I've done on working with me and working with everybody else is if I can address the relationship I've got with myself, then I will feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. And then that gives me the ability then to address everything else that's going on in my life. So I focused on the relationship side of things because I think and um, there was a study done in Harvard University and they did a study spread over 75 years and they were looking at happiness and it was what brings people the most happiness in their lives. And over this 75-year span, they decided that they concluded that the most important thing to living a happy life was the quality of your relationships. So I think, personally, I think it is the most important area of our lives if we want to have a fulfilling and happy happy life. It's actually a no-brainer, isn't it? But sometimes we need to be told. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And first, I have an awareness of how how we are within those relationships. And I, again, I also work with my clients on not manipulating other people, but understanding other people. Yes. So if you have an understanding, okay, well, this happened to me when I was a kid, so therefore I act like this. When someone else is behaving a certain way, you can go, oh, okay, well, maybe something happened to them when they were a kid, and that's why they're acting out like this. So yeah. then, again, we can not take it personally, and we can start to go, okay, what, what might, how do I need to deal with this person? How do I, what kind of relationship do I have with this person based on the fact that they are carrying their own stuff? Yeah. Um, and to have that, that awareness is great. It's that taking um, criticism constructively and not personally, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when I again when I do my talk, I, I make the point that nothing is personal. Mm. Everything that I do is because I have a need to do it. Everything that you do is to fulfil a need within inside of yourself. I won't mm. I won't be a nice guy if I don't want to be a nice guy. If it doesn't meet a need in me, then I'll be a horrible guy. And if being a horrible guy is meeting a need in me, then I'll be horrible. Um, so. When people do things, generally we're like, oh, why are you doing that to me? Um, But actually, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. But you feel a certain way about it because you're interpreting what they're doing and you're giving it a certain meaning and that will make you feel something. 
I 100% co-sign that. I had a conversation with a friend a month or so ago, and he said something that kind of... We always have these really deep conversations because we like to figure out the meaning of life and stuff. And <laughs> we'll only speak once every three months or something because they're that deep. They're exhausting. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, we have these conversations and we were talking about our past because we've known each other a million years. And we were talking about who we were and who we are now and our understanding of self and that kind of thing. Mm. And we were reflecting on an incident that happened way back. And he said something so profound, but just so basic. Again, it was one of those things that actually, it's a no-brainer, but sometimes you need it said or you need to hear it. And he said, sometimes people can only relate to you as as their experience, their own journey. And sometimes you're, you're so busy going, why can you not understand that I'm trying to do this thing? Or why can you, why can you not allow me to be me and you be you and we coexist in, in this, you know, amazing way? Mm. But actually it's because they're trying to control their own narrative and they don't have the same self-awareness or self-reflection, you know, those tools to self-reflect that you mm. have. No. And so there's always going to be this barrier. When you accept that, understand it, and allow it to be, mm. you're just in a much better place because the things they do, like you absolutely just said, the things they do no longer affect you personally. Mm. And you can choose then whether to stay in that moment or to remove yourself until it's past or, or just, you know, a whole plethora of ways to be in that moment. But yeah. the choice becomes yours again. Definitely. I mean, I use that with, with a lot of my clients that, choose so for instance if you've got toxic relationships with family members but you still want to have a relationship with your family it's about managing yourself and understanding that whatever they're going to do they're going to do it regardless because that's who they are as people but it's about managing you in order to say okay I know that they're going to do this I know that it's not going to be very pleasant I know I don't really like it and maybe it makes me sad Um, but actually I'm going to be okay and I'm going to spend some time with those people because I want to, but I'm going to be okay with it. I'm not going to allow how they are to affect how I feel and choosing your own space. It's really hard sometimes because, you know, generally it's your family that have caused all the triggers in the first place. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> um, so it really can be difficult to keep on top of them, but it takes it. <laughs> but practice, practice, practice. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So you wrote The People Programme, your book. I did, yes. What is that book about? So it's a coaching book, essentially. Uh, I wrote a coaching programme a, a few years ago. And I sold it as a online sort of program. It's a six-part coaching program. And then I kind of just forgot about it. But then I thought, actually, what did I write it for in the first place? <laughs> I'm not using it. Um, and I wasn't using it specifically in my sessions, although I was advertising it as a coaching program that people could do with me together. So I thought, actually, why don't I just put it in a book form and then people can try it out for themselves. And then it wasn't really long enough to be a book. So the first half of the book is actually my life story. As far as explaining how I learned to uh, do relationships, so the experiences that I had as I was growing up that gave informed me of what relationships were like and why I then continued to have quite unhealthy and, and sometimes toxic relationships throughout my life and why I was unable to connect with people. 
And it also talks about how I learned to see myself. So how I developed the relationship with myself and why I self-sabotaged and why I kept doing this and kept doing that. And then the second half of the book is, is the program. And that takes people through the sort of six steps to say, okay, this is the first half of the book. This is how I understand myself. Now you work through the second half of the book so you can start to understand yourself and what you can put into place to help you to, to manage that. That is absolutely fantastic. And again, it's, it's, meeting people at their needs so there may be someone who doesn't want to have face-to-face coaching for but sure. actually you there's a tool there for them as well mm, definitely. i'm always very supportive of the kind of holistic service yeah um some people will read that book and they'll get everything they need from it yeah. and some people it might open a door to do something else um you know so it's it's there to to help as many people as possible okay well, I'm going to move on slightly to um, a couple of questions that I call the slightly off the beta track section. Mm. So one of the questions is, and actually you've already answered it, aren't you annoying, John? <laughs> <laughs> the question, the first question was, do you like what you do? But clearly you hate it. So. <laughs> no, I don't like it, I love it. <laughs> yes. Yep, Justin Timberlake song, isn't it? I think. <laughs> so I'll move on to the second question. How, what would you say to us to defy the social constructs of what a relationship should be? Oh, okay. Firstly, we need to throw away the word should. Mm. So Tony Robbins, let's put it a different way. Tony Robbins, who's one of the biggest self-development gurus in the world, says people go around shooting all over themselves. Um, So I wouldn't say that relationship should be anyway. Um, A relationship on, you know, again, if we're talking about personal relationships, work relationships, I think it just needs, they just need to be as healthy for you as possible. And for you to be, if it's a personal relationship, friends, uh, partners, for you to be with someone that, you know, you can be there and offer, you can put your needs aside for them and they can put their needs aside for you. And, and they care about you enough to be able to do that. So when I work with people, especially when I'm with my couples, we don't talk about compromise or sacrifice. We say, you know, do you care enough about this person to put your stuff to one side and say, this person wants this, this person needs this. Um, and I don't mean that you do that all the time because then that would take us into kind of a people pleasing mm. side of relationships. It is, it needs to be healthy. And again, we just need to figure out for each individual what that looks like because I used to give to people all the time, but that because I was a people pleaser and I wanted to be loved. I didn't do it for them. I did it for me because I wanted them to accept me and show me some kind of positive attention. Um, So a healthy relationship is being able to be there for each other and say, I care about you enough to be able to suspend my own needs sometimes to offer you what you want. I love um, that. That takes me on to the third and final question of this segment, actually, mm. which is, you know, I mean, it's more of a statement that I would love you to comment on. Mm. But you know, when people are like, um, they say, self-love is the most important love. You have to look after yourself before you can look after anyone else. And this isn't mm. a statement of fact, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, it's, it's a statement of what's out there. And I'm, I'd love mm. your input on it. So they say all of that. Mm. And then there are, there's the other side 
you know, because I kind of think this in the sense that in a perfect world, not in our world, not in the world we live in, not going to happen. You have to have a healthy self first. Mm. But there's that whole kind of, well, if I look after you and you look after me, surely everyone's needs are being met then. How, what would you say about that in the, in the, in the sense that, because it, it kind of links to what you were just saying. You were saying not to do it all the time and that actually it serves the opposite purpose if you're doing mm. it all the time and you end up in people-pleasing mode. But in an ideal world, is there a way that me serving you and you serving me would make the world a better place? Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. I think we can all get lost in ego. Uh, and I describe ego as our subconscious. Our subconscious is our... Um, is that the, 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 our needs that are driven from a subconscious place. Mm. And that's basically a lot of most people, um, you know, statistically about 95% of the people just go around doing um, and not really thinking about what they're doing. And we get stuck. We get stuck in our own needs space. So if, uh, if we can suspend that and put that to one side and say, okay, my need is to actually be happy and I want this person to be happy. How do, how do I figure that out? How do I become the person that can be happy in myself while I'm out there trying to make other people happy at the same time? And to find, I mean, it's, it's a balance that you need to find. Mm. Um, so we need to then, we look at selfishness. There's positive selfishness and negative selfishness. I write about this in my own book. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if I'm being negatively selfish, it's like I don't really give a monkey's about you. I'm going to do what I want regardless of how exactly. this turns out. If I'm being positive, I'm like, do you know what? I know sometimes I'm going to do things you're not going to like, but this is the best thing for me to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not I'm, doing... I'm concerned about my impact on you. So yeah. that's why I'm explaining it to you. Yeah, yes, definitely. I don't want to hurt you, but this is the best thing for me and I know you're not going to like it. But then again, if you're in a healthy relationship, the person will respect that. And they'll say, you know what? I understand that this is the best thing for you, even though I don't really like it. Because yeah. on the other hand, if I'm in a healthy relationship, I know the shoe will be on the other foot another time. And you'll say, do you know what? If that's what you need to do for you, I support you in that, even though I'm not really on board with it. Again, it depends on what it is and the severity of the situation. Um, but if you can... You need to put yourself first sometimes because, as you said, you know, I'd like to use the analogy, if I've got a, a jug full of water and I just keep going around filling up everybody's cups, where does, where does my supply come from? If there's nobody there to, to fill my cup and when I run out of water, what's left for me? If I don't look after myself and replenish my jug, then I've got nothing else to give. And I'm just going to run dry and that's going to lead me to all sorts of awful places. Absolutely. So we do need to have our own supply. And if that means doing it for yourself, and actually very importantly, you do do it for yourself because everybody else can compliment you looking after yourself. Yes. Um, and then you'll be a much healthier person for everybody else because you'll have a lot of water to go around. But that's only if you take the time to fill up your own jug. I, listen, that is a soundbite, and this is going out exactly like this. I'm saying it's a soundbite to my listeners because it's great. Like, you know, yep, and they're going to be pictures of jugs and all sorts. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. So we're going to move on to the quick fire round and then to something very special. 
before okay. I get people to find out where they can find you, you talk to them quickly about your documentary and that kind of mm. thing. Do I need Quick a buzzer for the pig? Do I need a buzzer? Or is it just Nah, just say whatever comes to your head when it comes okay. in. <laughs> I mean, it sounds much more professional than it is. <laughs> um quick fire. So mm. single or married? Married. Last movie you watched. The Dark Knight. Game Batman. of Thrones or not? Um, up until season six, definitely. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, that's a whole other podcast topic, isn't it? <laughs> it was amazing, and then it was bad. <laughs> yes. And then it was unworthy. Yes, uh, yes definitely. Ruined. Tell us a, yes. Tell us a secret. <sighs> i tell you a secret. Um, when I was in Australia, I was on a boat trip, and I pretended to be Australian the whole time I was there. <laughs> I hope some of them are listening. They remember the guy with the familiar face. <laughs> that famous guy. <laughs> he was no worries. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're good. That's really good. <laughs> um, I already asked you this, but I'm going to ask you anyway in case you've got a, a quick fire answer. What do you want? Oh, so that's, that's quite a long answer, actually. Um, I want to keep on to, to do what I'm doing. I want to spread the interpersonal relationship coaching message as far as wide as possible. Is that okay? Yeah. Sorry, I was waiting for more. Sorry. Oh, no, if you want, I can, yeah. I can, go, I can talk about it for ages. I was totally engaged, yep. Um, what do you need? That 11 o'clock slot on the BBC. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Listeners, don't forget, you've got your job. If you guys don't come back, then you're all sacked. <laughs> Or maybe ITV, I don't mind. This morning would be a good gig. Yeah. Or the, that 6am that slot where you have to get up at 3. I think oh, the 11am no. is better, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, morning or evening person? Evening. Milkshakes, vanilla or banana? Vanilla for sure. Banana is there. <laughs> <laughs> I love can bananas, you... but anything banana flavoured, no, I can't go anywhere. See, I'm the complete opposite. I cannot, the consistency of banana does not work for really? me, but I love banana flavour. Oh, no, Weirdo over no, here. Yeah, they're opposite. I'm completely opposite. <laughs> I love bananas, but can't eat anything banana flavoured. What a very odd. Um, I mean, me, not you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Comedy. a listener poll. Yeah. Comedy or love? <sighs> Comedy. It's really straight for a relationship coach, isn't it, Taylor? It is, but actually, laughter, come on. You know what they say about laughter. Yeah. iPhone or Android? Android. Favourite food? Damn, I've got so many. (laughs) I love cooking Thai. But actually, I'm quite a basic. When it comes to favourites, it's basic. Do you know what my favourite thing at the moment is? Is crumpets with just loads of butter on. Oh, that sounds really good. Oh, okay, that, that works. <laughs> favourite colour? Green. What kind of green, actually? Um, it's spring green, to be honest. It's no specific type. I, I'm a spring okay. person, so when the grass grows and the trees come out into leaf, I just it's my favourite time of the year. I just love Excellent. that gritty green everywhere. 
Yeah. It has an emotional connection to me as well. So, Understandably. Do you know what ASMR is? No. Oh, okay. So ASMR is, uh, you probably do know what it is, but you haven't heard of it. So it's that kind of, I say internet craze. It's been around forever because it's a physical response to something oh, around the sounds and things. That yeah, the whispering, yes. the, that kind yes. of thing. Yes, so, that. yeah, it's yeah. really good for ASMR after my cancer and after being really unwell and after getting into a really deep depression and that kind of thing. ASMR attribute that with being one of the things that saved me. Mm. So yeah, have a look right. into it because it right. may be something that your your oh, clients really? know about. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at that to see uh, to see how it's used, and maybe my clients would benefit from that. Maybe Absolutely. me even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your worst three more. Your worst days consist of being sick. Your best days consist of being energised. And the first song that comes to your mind is? Actually, I was playing Fiction, uh, fiction Factory, Feels Like Heaven, this morning. It was the first single I bought when I was a kid. No way. Uh, about 1983, I think it was, it came out. And for some was it on reason, cassette or a record? It was on a single, record single when I bought yeah. it. But obviously today I was playing it on Spotify. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> but I don't know why. I just started singing it. I thought, oh, wow, I remember that song. Um, I'm, I'm going to look it up on Spotify. So I was playing that this morning. Oh, that's so good. Okay, final section before we get to wrapping up. So this section is called Letter to Yourself. The instructions are simple. You're writing a letter to either your future or your past self. You choose. What does it say? The only rules are you start your letter, dear John, and you sign off however you want. I don't know if I want to write myself a dear John letter. <laughs> dear John, I, I, your relationship with yourself is now over. <laughs> Goodbye. Yes, don't call. <laughs> if you try, I shall ghost you. Great. <laughs> so, dear John. It would definitely be to my past self okay. uh, because my future self is a work in progress and I'm working on that, going in that direction. So my past self, I would make it quite short. So actually, I wouldn't actually, I'd probably go into a lot of detail. <laughs> um, and just say, don't take this on board. Don't, don't do that. This is good. Do this. Um, uh, if I was to write to myself, I'd say, dear John, Remember that none of this is your fault. Remember that the things that you believe are not true. And your life can be much better, and it will be much better. You just need to persevere and come out the other side. And then I'd probably go into a lot more detail about what the problems were. <laughs> and on the 18th of January... <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget... The Liverpool won the Champions League in two thousand. So, bet put a bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic! Thank you so much. Do you have any shout outs? <sighs> That's a difficult question. Um, I'd just like to say, uh, <laughs> I don't know who's going to be listening. <laughs> um, obviously, I'd, I'd say hello and shout out to my wife. 
who has been uh, an influence on me, which I sometimes I probably don't allow myself to um, recognize that she's made my life so much easier um, as far as relationships are concerned. Um, she's such a sweet um, person, kind person, um, and has allowed me to see that uh, relationships can be a lot more than I ever thought they could be. Um, and anybody else that may be listening that knows me, um, you probably need to spend more time together. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then finally, can you tell people where they can find you, where they can find out more about you, and, yeah, any closing remarks? Yeah, okay. So I work online, so I can see clients all over the place. I've actually got a client in Hong Kong at the moment, which is really cool. Um but I'm based in Hertfordshire, in Chesant, and in Hertford Heath. Um, so if people would like to ever have any work uh, sessions with me, then that's where they can come along. Um, I'm available all over social media at John Kinney Coaching. My website is www.johnkinneycoaching.com. There's lots of stuff on there, lots of freebies, lots of there's a couple of ebooks. You can get to watch my documentary trailer that's on there at the moment. Um, there's loads of blogs about relationships. So if you want to find out anything about relationships, then check my out my blog page. And if you've got any questions, then please do drop me a line. Um, and I'd be happy to answer anything that you might want to ask about relationships. Um and if I don't know the answer, I'll ask someone else. <laughs> and in closing, is there anything, if there was only one sentence left in the world for you to use, what would you want people to know? I think I've already said it, actually. I would say don't take anything personally. Excellent. Thank you so much, John, for being with me on the show. And, um, yeah, all the best and everything. To be fair, I think there are a couple of points where you said, oh, this is a bit of a longer story. So I definitely need to have you back on. Are you okay with that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so thank Excellent. you. For, thanks for having me on today. No problem. Thank you. This has been a Dream Days Experience production.